welcome to Valley Thoughts, the podcast where we talk to friends and family about the concept of homeland, language, belonging, and unique experiences. Enjoy the conversation and remember our thoughts are valid. Hi guys, welcome to uh, another episode. My name is S as usual and I'm excited as usual as well. Um, yeah, I have um, I have a really very interesting guest today. I'm very excited that she's here. Um, I hope she's not yet tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm very, very excited that she's here today. And um, the way we usually do it is like you introduce yourself. So today's guest is for me and she's going to introduce herself the way she wants you guys to know her. Ah, oh God, it's so much more difficult introducing oneself. <laughs> okay, my name is Fumi Oyatogun. I'm sometimes a geographer, other times a travel entrepreneur. Other times I, I'm a writer. Really just depends on, you know, in what circumstance you first encounter me or my work. Um, but I run this very small company very small right <laughs> it's a small travel company called tvp adventures what i think we're small but doing very big things absolutely um, you know we simplify travel especially across the continent we help people travel to their dreams and we basically you know close up the world and break down borders so that people can better experience each other experience other cultures difference other spaces and see the world and you know sort of bring back the world to to their homes mm. Um, we also created this game called Fill in the Black. So when we started TVP Games, really last year during the pandemic, we saw that people couldn't travel. We couldn't get on a plane. You couldn't. Some people couldn't even get out of their houses, depending on where they lived in the world. And we wanted a, an experience because that's what we pride ourselves in doing is, decide, is designing experiences. So we wanted to create an experience that can help people explore the world without having to get on a plane. Because at that time we were on lockdown. So we created this game. It's a charades game um, that helps celebrate, black, celebrate Blackness across the world. And so all the names or the words that are on the game, or it's a guessing game, have Black references so that people, irrespective of where you come from, can sort of relate to it because it's Black people, Black historical icons, Black places, Black stories, Black inventions, etc. So that's what we do. I like to, I like to believe that I'm on earth to help show people God's world. And, you know, I'm practicing because I really want to be the head tour guide when we get to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) People are laughing. Me, I'm serious. I I truly want, like, I want to be that person that when we get to heaven, God is like, oh, there's a new, somebody has just come, you know, are you going to show them around? And I think it's like my practice run. Mm. I really just want to help people explore the world. And I kind of say that, uh, you know, half jokingly, but in reality, I think that there's so much benefit to discovering the world around us, discovering the people around us. I'm a geographer, so I will always be a geographer at heart, in, even in the way that we run the business and just help people, you know, step outside of their comfort zone, of their normal and help them interact with other cultures that are different from them. You know, I think it helps us become a bit kinder yeah, and just more... Um, functional and fruitful members of of this earth i think I, I also think that makes you more understanding yes when you when you find yourself in certain situations you don't think like oh why is this person doing this if you've actually seen a bit of the world and you understand that people can be it's okay to be different it's okay to be different yeah. you know you're different to other yeah. people like that you are the center of your world doesn't mean that you're you're the center of every other person's yeah. world yeah. so 
what is normal to you is normal to you and normal to you alone. And there are other people's normals. And, and it's, it's, it's not even from a place of, okay, we're just going to manage each other. It's a sense of, I think we thrive better when yeah. we have a chance to understand each other, explore, you know, take the meat, drop the bones. And I think life, like the quality of life is just so much better. Life is more colorful. I, I personally really enjoy my life. I think life is beautiful. It's, it's, it's I, I think life is, is fun. Yeah. And so I, I, for me, it's like, oh, how, do, you know, how do you not take the opportunity to see more if there's more to be seen? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you've already given us a bit of like an idea of what you do. So that's like what I want to talk about on this, uh, in this season three of Valley Thoughts. We're talking about unique experiences mm-hmm. and how there's so many different people that are doing very interesting things. Um, with you, like, I mean, you said geography, which is already mm-hmm. one thing that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk a little bit about like growing up for you, okay. like your childhood experiences. I, because I think that a lot of times this is what fuels you, what you become later and the path you choose. Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about your childhood experiences that maybe kind of prepared you for where you are yeah and influenced you for where you are today okay so I think I had in some ways I had a very normal uh, middle class upbringing in Port Harcourt in other ways I think I had a very intentional upbringing from my parents when it comes to just you know using your mind and exploring the world so in in the normal sense we grew up you know pretty middle class we did have that privilege of being middle class because I cannot negate what that privilege does for mm. you and so you know we we there were many things that we didn't even, we didn't even notice that we had because we just had them yeah um you know including a good education and access to good schools and access to a diverse community where we grew up so i had that i had that um when i was a child but then there was something a few special things that my parents did that have kind of brought me where i am you know one my mom was an english lecturer almost all of my life and as an English lecturer you know (laughs) she taught English education at the university level and you can imagine what that meant for how she wanted her children to express themselves with words and with language and so everything was an opportunity for us to write an essay so we had to ask our friends what certain things meant or how to say certain things in Igbo how to say last prize how much this is too expensive. I want to buy this. And for us, it was such an experience. So we had a whole experience prior to traveling, an experience while traveling. And then when we came back, <laughs> when we thought all the fun was over, we had to write an essay. And I think that's that has really influenced how we write as siblings, but also how I go into my experiences, wanting to document them and looking out for the things that I need to document. So that's something that, we hated it then. <laughs> I think at the back of our minds, we knew that maybe this thing has some benefits. But at that time, we hated it. You know, one time we went to NASA in Houston and this was such an amazing trip. It was like the trip of the year. And my sister at that time decided that she was going to be an astronaut. So on the drive back from NASA to our hotel, my dad was asking us, okay, so what did you learn? And we we had to say all these things. We were so excited about all that we had learned. And then... <laughs> We got to our hotel. It was very late. And he's like, yeah, so tomorrow, maybe the next day, I would expect all of you to write, to have written, you know, by your age, so so and so number of words and use so so and so number of words. 
uh, about your experience. And we're also frustrated because we're like, ah, this thing was supposed to be fun now. Why has it become <laughs> academic? But that was how that was how we got to explore. And I'm so thankful for those experiences because now there's a sense of wonder mm. when I travel and nothing is ever really wasted in the way that I see the world, the way that I, uh, that I want to explore the world. And even in the sense of, you know, don't be, don't be, afraid to see new things don't be afraid of different things you know have your principles have what you believe in have your boundaries of you know lines you don't cross and so on and so forth but for a lot of things just because it's different doesn't mean that it should scare you and so I always tell the story of when we're in Japan one time and my dad we were we had been served food and my dad was like why are you not eating and I was like because I don't like the food and my dad was like how can you say you don't like food that you have not eaten mm. And I was like, I felt so stupid when he said it because he said, my dad has this way of like using very flowery language to like trick you. And he was like, but you're not eating it. So how do you know you don't like it? And I remember thinking, that's true. And I tasted it. At that moment, I didn't like it. But by the time I tasted another one and another one, I liked it. You know, I loved it. So it's it's that sense of there's so much beauty around. And I think also growing up in a family where there was already enough difference. So my parents are of two different tribes. Two tribes, I must say, that I like to believe that they came from each other. But that's a story for another day. You know, my dad's Yoruba, my mom's Bini. And very, very different uh, cultures that we were raised with. Um, you know, we grew up in a household where we sort of recognized the different cultural values and um, my dad was raised in the north, so Hausa is one of his earliest languages. And we would travel all the time to the north. We would go to see all, you know, his childhood experiences and go to places. And we grew up in a very, very, very diverse um, environment, you know, went to diverse schools. Thank- thankfully, that was one of the things, um, the benefits of living, growing up in a city like Port Harcourt at that time. So... I was like thrown into difference already and diversity and it was beautiful. And when things went bad, it wasn't because this person was different or this person spoke a different language because that person has issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that was very, very instrumental in how I thought about the world. And then I went to school. Um, I, stu- I studied environmental studies and geography. I only picked up geography as a second major when I was, I think, in my final year or maybe my junior year, because I was just like, I love this thing so much. I'm already taking, you know, some geography classes as an environmental studies major. I'm just going to do it anyway. And I think that really helped, at least on an academic level, kind of solidify a lot of the the principles and thought processes I already had about the world and explaining the world, which is what geography is. Geography is the study of the earth. And because geography is also so diverse, you know, there's human geography, there's natural geography, there's political geography, cultural geography, there's just so many different aspects of like how we're going to interrogate this earth and the people who are living in it mm-hmm. or the things that are on it. Um, so yeah, I, I knew that I would always travel. I knew that I would I would want to see the world because that's just, for me, that was normal. I had no clue that I would do it as a business. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I just thought in my environmental line of work as I'm doing my climate change research and trying to save the earth, I'll go everywhere, but here I am. And when did you like... Um, you were traveling with your parents, with the family. When did you start exploring the world, like on your own terms? Can you remember? On my own terms. Um, so the first time I traveled on my own, I think I was, I was maybe twelve. Actually, I was. I wrote a really good essay, and I was invited to a United Nations 
Children's Conference on Environment in Japan. Me and some of my schoolmates. So I actually went well, we didn't go on our own because mm. of, obviously we had a chaperone. My dad, amazing guy, volunteered to also co-chaperone. Like this guy was like, the school said, oh, you know, they need they need another adult. And my dad's like, I got it. I'll be there. <laughs> so that was the first time I traveled outside of the family setting. But I don't know that that was on my own terms just yet because I was obviously going for a conference. And then I went for a few more conferences and so on and so forth. Um, but I remember the first time that I traveled Africa was when I was in grad school. I was in grad school. I was running this travel blog. It was called The Village Pot. Hold that name. So it's called The Village Pot. I was I was traveling, you know, all around Europe and just the, the UK in general. And I was documenting some of my experiences through food. So I was sort of, you know, sharing, okay, these are travel guides of the places that I've been, but this is also how I've kind of explored this place from the lens of food. So it's called the Village Pots. And um, then I, I went to Kenya. It was the first time I was going to the continent outside of my own home country, Nigeria. And I was just so fascinated. I mean, Africa had been in my dreams. It had been this mystical place. I was so excited. So I went to Kenya. I wrote so many guides when I was in Kenya, had the time of my life. And I remember thinking, okay, I think I've, it's a problem that the first time I'm going to Africa is in my 20s after I've been to all these other countries. And and I started to try to unravel what are the reasons why it has been so difficult? What what are the reasons why it has taken me this long? And then I tried to... uh, solve some of those problems in my blog. So I said, I'll write guides, I'll write, you know, things that can help people travel better. I was just giving hacks and cheat sheets and things like that. Um, And then (laughs) uh, I started traveling on my own a bit more and writing about it. Then when I came back from grad school... You moved back to Nigeria. I moved back to Nigeria. (laughs) The second time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I came home after undergrad to serve. And I went to the UK, came home again. We die here. <laughs> anyway, so I I was then, I was working in, in the environmental space as I, as I knew, I was so sure that that's what I was going to live the rest of my life doing. I loved it. But I was also blogging on the side. But then people started asking questions, you know, hey, for me, I really want to go to Kenya. Can you recreate this experience for me? I would like to go here. I, you know, can you put something together? And I didn't take them too seriously at first. I also didn't want to fall into the trap of this returnee who comes home and thinks that she knows business when she doesn't know anything. So I was very hesitant. But eventually somebody called me up and said, hey, we went to grad school together. He said, hey, a friend of mine wants to do something for independence. Independence was in October. Mm. This was maybe August or September. I think it was September because I only had a few weeks. He's like, if he wants to do something, he wants you to put it together. Can you do it? And I was like, okay, since you say that there's somebody you know, at least you cannot run away. Yeah. So I put it together and I, you know, shared it with my friend who shared it with his friend and his friend was like, nope, it's too expensive. And I was, it was like 14,000 naira at that time, I think, to Abelkuta. With transport, food, everything. Oh man! <laughs> um, and I remember that trip. Like I, it, I think I I undercharged just because I wanted to see if this yeah. was viable. We said it was too expensive, so I was like, ah, I know for a fact that this thing is not too expensive. So I shared it to my friends, and we were sold out in the in two days or so. Oh wow! And he didn't go. <laughs> he didn't go he has since been on several trips, so he redeemed himself. But he didn't go, and I remember thinking, no, now I mean, I cut this this cost yeah. down. Um, and we had the time of our life. 
lives. Uh, and that, you know, so at that time it was still the village port. <laughs> but after I saw that it was one trip and another trip, I was like, okay, let's not change the name too drastically because we're still sort of a blog. That's where the contraption, the contraction, contra, whatever. That's where the TVP came from. Okay. Um, I, let me just say that before you ask me what the meaning of TVP is. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it doesn't have a meaning per se. I mean, but that's the story behind where the name came from because I was really an accidental travel entrepreneur. I didn't think that I was going to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, so like you did the whole, did you stop working then? No. I didn't stop working until 2018. Okay. So you were like running both at the same time. Yes. Because like it would be like a weekend, like organizing weekend trips. Weekends and holidays. Yeah. And, you know, yes, it was weekends and holidays. So at some point it became very busy. And Mm -hmm. I actually left, I stopped working before the business was actually profitable. Oh, wow. But it just, I knew that the only thing that was missing was my time and full Mm -hmm. commitment. And I, I took advantage of, again, Certain privileges that I had, which I don't take for granted. My parents lived in Lagos. The worst case scenario is that I would die there. Mm. They would not (laughs) kick me out. You know, things like that. So I moved back home. Um, I knew that my parents would feed me. And I thought to myself, now is the time to take this risk. It sounds like something exciting. I'm having a lot of fun. A lot of people are requesting this service. There is a need to simplify travel experiences across the continent and to help people coming into the continent. So why not try it now? And when is the best best time to try it? I was in my 20s. My parents lived in the same city as me. So I took that jump and I did it. Yeah. And where is the industry now? And where is TVP in the industry now from when you guys started? Maybe you can like talk a little bit about where you guys, like what did you meet in the industry? Because I'm sure like maybe in the way you were doing it then, there were no others that were doing it that way. But I I would imagine that there were other yeah, there um, were. Um, companies that, or like maybe even bigger companies that were doing, that could put together packages for you, but probably more expensive and not like they'll follow you on the trip. Right. There were, there were, uh, you know, it's, it's almost arrogant for anybody to think that they came into a market and nobody <laughs> was doing it. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's ridiculous, especially when we're not, we're not, our work is in space travel, right? Mm. Um, there's been tourism since day one yeah. of human existence. There were people that we met in the industry. What we didn't see though was enough um, access and accessibility and usefulness. And there, were, there weren't people that I thought could plan a trip that I would want to go on. Right. That I would yeah. be able to afford yeah. that um, cater to my tastes and my interests. That would allow me pay as a salary earner a few times, you know, small, small Mm. installments. We didn't see that. We also didn't see trips that would kind of cater to the adventurous side of us um, and that were sensibly planned for people like us. So there were were people in the market, there were people who were even doing all these things that I was saying, but I didn't think that they were doing enough, they were doing it enough to excite me. Mm. And I thought that if they were not doing it enough to excite me, it probably wouldn't excite my siblings and, yeah. my, and my friends and their friends. And then that's how a market is built, right? Yeah. So it wouldn't excite people who were just like me. So I started it, um, you know, and met people. I'm I'm a part of the industry. Where we started is so different from where we are now. Because before, um, I think, if anything, all of us collectively have made tourism more visible as an industry. Um, A lot of us started these things as hobbies. 
um, that's how I started mine. It was a hobby and then it became a glorified hobby and then it became a, an income earning hobby and then it became a very, very small business and then an MSME and then an SME. I think we're, we're still an SME right now. So a lot of people started like that. Um, but I think what we've been able to do, again, not just me, but everybody as a whole is sort of legitimize it you know and I, I like to compare us to Nollywood because when Nollywood started they started as this really cool cultural tool we yab them yab them yab them <laughs> they will do another one slightly better that, but not right? that much and yab them yab them but all of us were still watching we, yeah. if, if only to yab them and that's how they improved and they grew but and, and they had our our commitment because at the end of the day Nigerians were going to turn on the TV yeah. or go to the store and go and rent a movie right and that's how that's how these things are built and Nollywood is one of those industries that was built from scratch by our people against all odds until mm. the government started to see ah there's actually something there yeah. so i think i think we're still a few steps away from um getting to where we need to be in terms of uh you know being taken seriously by the government but you have to make yourself relevant yes so what we've done now is we've become more visible a lot of people know about some of our brands a lot of people know that there are tourist destinations a lot of people know that Africa is a dream it's not just a place you travel for loyalty and um, a lot of people know that with the right people they can access Africa but there's still challenges <laughs> hoops that we have to jump through just to make sure that we we actually become a viable tourism destination as yeah. a country and as a continent. Yeah, yeah. You know what you were saying about um, maybe the trips that this other companies that have been there for much longer would offer is not something that would excite you or your your siblings or your friends. It reminds me of actually why I started the podcast. It's not because I know podcasts out there that people can listen to, and there are wonderful podcasts out there, and I enjoy listening to like a lot of them. But I realized that there was no voice that was sounding like the one that mm -hmm. I really wanted to hear or like the ones that the voices of my friends around me. Mm -hmm. So instead of just sitting back, I'm like, ah, there's no one that is really saying this, but we are going to manage it like that, you know? And if you're able to, or at least like contribute to the experience. To the conversation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, so just like kind of putting your own part into it as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's definitely something. I mean, because a lot of times you want to travel, you want to go somewhere and then you have like these packages that people have been doing for like forever mm -hmm. and then you either have to like sit down and create your own package mm -hmm. or maybe just really find someone I think that's where like you just need variety as yes. well yeah yeah so um yeah I mean you have this company that you've grown <laughs> from you know from from scratch basically to where you are now and also like I mean it's like it's TVP food and travel where okay. does the food part? <laughs> I told you where. I showed you a blog now. Where okay, blog. okay, so, okay. That's where. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. when we so when we registered, I, at the time when we got registered officially with CAC, I didn't think we still had a business at that time. So mm. I, I, you know, you send three names to CAC, and at some point, so I was like, okay, let's con let's make a TVP so that we don't change change the vibes too much. Yeah. Um, and we had asked for it to be TVP company or something like that. And CAC said no, that there's already a company like that. Okay. And then we said travel, food and travel or something. And they said no, 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 no. And they, they removed the travel. So, yeah, so we, we became, officially became TVP Food Company, which was then, at that point, it was still fine. I mean, yeah. it was a food and travel blog. But as we became more and more a travel business, it became a nightmare for me because I'm just like, people are like, ah, why is it food on your account? <laughs> and I'm like, bruh. 
our articles of association say that we are travel company, yeah. whatever, but you know how CSC can be. Um, yeah, so we're going through the process of sort of reincorporating, but um, you know, it was just one of those technicalities with CAC. And there's the only food experience really is there's food on our trips. Yes, and yeah. and people people always complain that our food is too much. That's <laughs> that's the biggest complaint we get. Like you guys feed us too much. But other than that, it's not as if we were in the food business. Okay, okay. So let's talk about your experience of climbing the highest mountain in Nigeria. Yeah, Chapawadi. I, I, what I really enjoyed about that experience is how you documented mm-hmm. every part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for me, I mean, we're still going to talk about Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. <laughs> which is basically what brought us together. Would you con- do you think you might consider climbing that mountain? What do you think? The Chapawadi? No, Kilimanjaro. The- Have you heard of it? I heard it one time like that when you, you were talking about What do you think? It, do you, you think know? you might want to climb it? Maybe sometime in it. August. I'll think about it. I'll think about <laughs> it. But like, I, I really enjoyed how you documented everything. And I mean, I think uh, TVP and your name is something that's... Uh, that I've been following a show me one thing for a while. So it's like, you know, you I get the newsletter, I read about these things, like, oh, this is interesting. This is something I'd like to do. If I'm go- actually going to do it, it's like another thing. But um when I saw your experience about the um about the Chapaivadi, which is the highest mountain in Nigeria, mm-hmm. which is not very well known, mm-hmm. um, I that's and then after that, seeing the Kilimanjaro one and also seeing the people that you went, because you said for the Chapaivadi you wanted to go with your friends because mm-hmm. you were not sure what the experience would be like mm-hmm. and selling that kind of experience to people might be a bit difficult mm-hmm. if it doesn't go well mm-hmm. if you go with your friends maybe they'll yab you but yeah. after that we'll be fine exactly so when I when I saw that that was like I feel like I felt like oh I can also do this thing I can also maybe climb a mountain. I can mm-hmm. try at least, you mm-hmm. know. I can train for it. Mm-hmm. I can. They look like normal people. They don't look they like they are normal you people. You know. Yeah. So that's definitely something that motivated me. Okay. So um, mm. yeah. So tell us, like, um, so when you, how did you? So for people that are out there that don't know anything about the highest mountain in Nigeria, because well, it is not that well known, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you discover it? How did you get there? Okay. So, some people are even upset that um, I was featured on CNN for that mountain. Oh, wow. They, are, somebody, they, should, they should have gone now. Yeah, somebody accused me of um, Mungo parking the mountain. And I was just like, no, I didn't. Um, I gave props to every single person. Yeah. We went with guys. The guys are featured. The rangers are featured. So, no, I didn't Mungo park anything. So, I said that because you said discover. Okay. Um. So, the first time we found out about the mountain, I think my friend, my sister girl, she's like my she's like my sister. I call her my sister. Um, we grew up together. She went to, we went to Mount Cameroon together. Mm. I think in the process of wanting to climb that mountain, which at that time was told to us that it's the highest mountain in West Africa. Um, but then along the line, we realized, no, 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 no. Cameroon is actually politically it's, Central Africa. Yeah, also Mount Cameroon <laughs> is not that high. It is high. It's higher it than is, ours. Really? Yeah, so so because in some contexts, Cameroon is considered West Africa. Yes. And Western yeah, Africa. Yeah, but not actually it's Central. It's official, central, it's central exactly. Africa. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not the highest mountain in West Africa. It is the highest mountain in Central, central Africa. Central Africa. So at that time, we're like, ah, so now what's the highest mountain in West Africa, in ECOWAS? Yeah. And then we found out that it was this mount, little-known mountain called Chapawadi in Taraba State. And we were like, okay, when we come down from Mount Cameroon, we'll go there. Mm. So it's me and Toyeke, we're figuring it out. We got went to Cameroon, came down. And then 
um, we did everything we could. We tried. We reached out to the national park and we were so close to going there a few times. And then the final time we were trying to go, they were like, no, 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 no. There's, you know, just hold on. There's some stuff going on. Long story short, we couldn't go for years. And we climbed Cameroon in 2017. So finally in 2020, I was like, <sighs> I'm climbing this mountain this year. And COVID struck. And I was like, okay, I'm climbing this mountain this year with a twist because there's COVID. So I'm going to push it a little bit further. And at that time, I was like, I'm just going to go by myself. I'm going to go with a camera crew. I want to document this experience. If it is difficult for me to climb this yeah. mountain, it is difficult for the average person. Yeah. And I'm not the average person because I am a bit more able to piece things together when it comes to travel. So I was re I was kind of annoyed because as a mountain climber, I was like, if we have this fantabulous mountain, why isn't it the talk of the town? Yeah. And some people had documented it. Some people had written horror experiences about climbing. And I was like, it cannot be that bad now. Some people had said, you know, it, long story short, there was a gap. I wanted to fill it. So I was like, okay, we're going to go with the camera crew. So I got my team from our TVP, our creative team, um, put them together. And I was like, we're going. Then that my sister girl, who we had the plan together, she found out that I was climbing. And she literally told me, you are mad. Are you going there without me? So she joined the group. And then... Um, two of my friends who are on this Mount Kilimanjaro climb that you're on, they were like, oh, wow, you are going where? And they got on. My trainer who was on Kilimanjaro was like, are you okay? Are you are you smoking? And then that's how we, the team came together. So I was also very intentional because I was. it was a, it was an exploration. It was an expedition. It was. It's not like Kilimanjaro that they've been climbing this mountain for years and they are climbing companies. We're going to go and figure things out. Not because we're the first to do it, but because we are trying to make it a product. Make it an, where something that people can, with one click, access all the information. So... I was very intentional about it being my friends because I didn't want them to, I didn't want it to feel like this is a TVP product and when things go wrong, because things go wrong. When you are doing an expedition, things go wrong, but that's part of the adventure, right? But anyway, I wasn't ready for that risk. So yeah, so we went with my friends. We got the team together. Everybody puts their money down. Um, we did all the dirty work, fantastic people. We met at the National Park. Um, a local tour guide in in Taraba called Bethel, who was an incredible last minute save for us. And then we reached out to a bunch of companies. You know, I always, I believe in shooting my shot. I shoot wild shots. Mm. I always tell people, if you can shoot the shot, why not shoot a wild one? Yeah. The amount of energy your brain takes to think wild is the same as thinking small. Anyway, so I reached out to a bunch of companies. Only one of them was successful and that was... Um, Overland Airways. So Overland gave us flights from Abuja to Jalingo. They're the only airline that flies that route. Jalingo, Jalingo is the capital city of Taraba. So, you know, we put we just put put together a whole plan. And then also a few months before our climb, CNN came on board. So um, that's another interesting story. But, you know, a freelance producer who's such an amazing producer found out about the climb. She reached out to me, um, put together a plan, pitched it to CNN. CNN brought her on board and she and her crew came on the climb with us. Um, so we had this whole thing and we're like, okay, fantastic. And, you know, as we were going, we didn't tell anybody it was CNN. It was just the team that knew it was CNN. Everybody, because we didn't want any performances yeah. or anything. We just wanted to 
to document this experience. So we did. We did. We went to the summit. Um, we went again. We're led by rangers. There are mountain villagers who climb this mountain all the time to go and herd their cattle. Yeah. We're not the first. We were just the ones that sort of brought it to the limelight. Mm. Yes. And then we also put the signpost at the summit that marks that this is Nigeria's highest point. So that's something that I pride myself in. Um, our mark is, you know, at the summit. And then we we created a website, mountnigeria.com or chapawadi.com, whichever one you want. Um, and, you know, we have all the FAQs, everything that is free, downloadable materials, pictures, all the information, all the contacts, where to stay, what to do, how to get there. Because we really, truly believe that you know, when you open things up, then sort of everybody along the value chain prospers. So that's how we climb uh, Mount Chapawadi. So are you planning um, experiences for people to climb? Is there something Soon. coming up? There, there, are few, there are a few infrastructural pieces of the puzzle that needs to be put together before we can, you know, yeah. confidently take people there and be like, um, we know that you're going to have the time of your life. You know, there are just some things because unfortunately it hasn't really been taken care of mm. the, especially getting there hasn't been taken care of properly by who is responsible also known as the government and as much as I am well-meaning as much as I've you know I'm doing all I can I can't I, I'm not eligible to build yeah. a road Yeah, I'm not eligible to tie a road like yeah. it's just out of my jurisdiction so little things like that that we're working very hard with people on the ground as well in the national park NGOs like Annie Afghan nature investors, they're working very hard with conservation and protection of the national park. It's a huge national park, I must say. um, So Chapawadi, the highest mountain in Nigeria, it also borders the um, Cameroon, Mm. but it's not the Mm. same range as Mount Cameroon. Mm. So Chapawadi is located inside a national park called Gashaka Gumti National Park. It's It's the largest national park in Nigeria. Okay. Gashaka Gumti straddles two states. Adamawa, and Taraba. Mm. It is huge. Gashaka Gumti is a few times bigger than the state of Lagos. It's wow. a huge national park. I know we don't really conceptualize mm. how big these things are. Mm. I don't remember how many times, maybe three or four times the size of Lagos State Mm-mm. is a national park. park yeah. And the mountain is in there. So there's a lot of conservation work going on. Incredible, incredible landscape and mountain. Um, so we're hoping that eventually we'll be able to work with Annie and the national park, build lodges along the way, make sure that it is secure and an adventure for anybody who wants to climb. Mm, mm-hmm. mm. Before we talk about uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Feeling the Black. Okay. So, I mean, I have Feeling the Black. Yeah, um, I have you to have say, fun playing it? Yes, yes. I, the other day, I had organized like a hangout with my friends and it was like 17 of us oh. and then we made groups and it was super fun. Oh, take I, photos and I, videos next time. Yeah, I should. <laughs> I don't think we took pictures uh, this last time, but I'll check if I find any. I'll send them to you. Okay. So I had the most amazing Amazing um, experience uh, buying feeling the black. Okay. By the way, I tweeted about it back then in January when I bought it. So I remember, like, I wanted to buy it, and I'd gone on the website, and I was like, I think you even said that there was a discount code, but no one was finding the discount code because we we're all not reading it properly or something. Oh. I remember then. I was so anyway. So I went on the website, and then. Um, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this game. And then when, at that time, I forgot my card 
at home. I didn't bring it to Nigeria. So I was like, ah, to buy this game now, they want me to um, put in my card details. I didn't bring my card details. So every time I'll get them, like, ah, they want my card details. I'll just forget about it. Then after I left, the day I left um, Nigeria, I was like, let me even check this thing again. And I went there and I was like, oh, you can transfer. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to buy it. And it was like maybe Saturday morning or something. So I just ordered it. By Saturday afternoon, the games were delivered. Oh, yay. <laughs> we try. <laughs> so, like, that was, like, super. And there was no calling, like, oh, where are you? Some, something. Because I, I love things like that. Don't call oh. me. Don't look for me. Just read the address. You know, go where oh. it is and knock on the door or whatever. Press the bell and just deliver. So, and I'm going to tell I'm gonna tell our dispatch team because Friday and Esther work really hard to make sure that games are delivered on time. So, I'm going to let them know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll, be, they'll be very happy. Yeah, so it's always nice to have such an experience. And then, like, even before you get the actual product, when you have such an experience already, it makes things a lot... Yeah. It makes you feel good as well. Yeah, about yeah. what you're ordering. Oh, that's yeah. nice. That's nice. Yeah, so, like, I've been... Like, since I've been back now, so I've been playing the games with my friends like maybe at home sometimes also we just you know just sit and play the game so but like so you just I mean how how did how, the, how <laughs> did how did you get there so um when you run a travel company and COVID hits you two things can happen you can either be devastated beyond re- repair or you can actually three things or you can innovate or you can just wait it out I did all three um, at first I was like what's going I don't think I was devastated I don't um, may we not see the kind of thing in life that would devastate us yeah. let me just pray that prayer but uh, you know I'm not the kind of person to really sort of wallow in what's going on I knew that money was going to be lost I knew that things were going to go down the drain but it, it wasn't going to kill me and if it killed me I'll get to heaven quickly. So either way <laughs> then you can do that. Yeah, I can do job. my, my tour guide job <laughs> but I'm you know, we when that happened and I realized I realized that we're going to be in this pandemic for a while. As soon as it happened, I, when people were saying few months by summer, I was like, nah. <laughs> I was trying to read back on all the previous, you know, mm, pandemics. Yeah. So my team and I, we sort of came down together. We mourned a bit, um, you know, spent a few weeks just like lamenting the situation. And then after that, we we started getting our creative juices going. We have a really strong creative team. We went around Lagos during the lockdown, documenting in photos the pandemic, just to make, just to keep ourselves busy and keep our minds busy. But also people were on the internet doing nothing because they were at home and wanted to keep people um, entertained, but also informed. So we went around, we started documenting. And then I started, you know, I'd just randomly ask people on Twitter, you know, what do you want to know about countries around the world? That's how Show Me One Thing started. I did a tweet saying, tell me a list, tell me a country and I'll tell you something you don't know about that country. And show me one thing was born. And that's how we started sort of feeding people's curiosity. And then I was like, okay, we've always, we had always wanted to do a game. You know how you have plans at the back of your mind there, your top shelf hidden away, locked somewhere. Mm. And you don't know when you're going to need to take them out. This is, this is one of those things. I had loosely talked about it. My team had loosely said, we do games at every trip, on every yeah. trip. Why don't we just do our own, own game? game yeah. We will. Let's do our own game. We, will. <laughs> we talked about it a few times, maybe a handful of times and kept it moving. But at the back of our heads, it was there. And I remember I had a spreadsheet where I had planned a charades type game before. And I was just like, okay, but we'll do it, you know, Niger. Mm. But as 
when this happened, everything, all the stars aligned. I was like, okay, this is a time for us to do a game. People are playing more games. Somebody on our team had started a travel a travel shop and she said people were buying games. I was like, okay, there's this market. Um, but we don't just want to create a game. We want a game that is meaningful. We want a game that sticks to our values, which is cross-cultural uh, integration, cross-cultural exploration. So we decided we're going to create a charades heads-up style game that we all love to play. But we're going to make it focus on black spaces, black cultures. I know I've lived, I went to school in America and I went to school in the UK. I've lived in, you know, different cultures. And I know that black people share certain experiences and black people's experiences differ depending on what your, the nature of your blackness. The one thing we tend not to do is talk to each other. We were always talking at each other, talking about each other. We tend not to talk to each other and actually listen. So I wanted a game that was fun, but that could that could also be a learning experience at that time. And it coincidentally was a very topical time for blackness in general around the world. You know, we were a few, we didn't know at that time, but we were a few months away from NSARS. Mm. We, um, Black Lives Matter had been ongoing for a few years and it, it sort of reached a boiling point at that time. Um, there was so much going on around the world. And I said, if this game can, you know bring down tempers and help us interact in a fun way, not in an academic or hostile setting. It's just you, by the time you're done guessing who Burner Boy is and then you might not know who Burner Boy is and then you ask and you learn and you might go check out his music exactly. and so on and so forth. So that's how the game idea started. Um, we did it. And to say that it was it blew our minds away would be an understatement because I didn't realize that people actually needed that. Mm. And that's how we accidentally got into game design. And here we are now. We're, we have a bunch of games coming out in December. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, is For it, kids is it... this time. Oh, okay. Children. Uh, okay. Because people are like, oh, what's about my children? Okay. I'm like, oh, don't worry. I have your children in mind. Okay. okay. I wanted to say, <laughs> anyway, we'll order for the kids as well. We'll order for the kids. Yes. Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. So order yeah. for your nieces, <laughs> nephews, stepkids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But that, that's, uh, that's very interesting. What else is TVP bringing out? Like, what, what can we expect? Are you guys working on new other, uh, new products? Um, yeah, so we're working on a bunch of new travel products. We're really hoping that um, as many more sports events come about, we can help take people to you know their dream sports. Were you supposed to go to Tokyo? Of course we were supposed to go to Tokyo. <laughs> of course we are not in Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> we're supposed to, that was supposed to be our, big fir- our first big sporting event. We had so many people sign up. Unfortunately, we couldn't, but it's fine. Um, it's not the end of the world. There are many more. I mean, the Olympics happens every year and so does the World Cup and mm. so does, you know, I don't know, Nations Cup maybe is more frequent, but whatever. So we're really looking forward to also bringing a lot more people into the continent, right? So we've done a lot about taking Africans to Africa. We're looking forward to bringing people inbound to the continent in a way that they've never experienced this continent yeah. before. Yeah, so yeah. excited about that. It would be very interesting to say, let me see, like, for example, oh, my friends are coming, they would like to come to Nigeria mm-hmm. with me, you mm-hmm. know, and they just like create like a whole experience yeah. from the whole picking them from the mm-hmm. airport, showing them Nigeria. Mm-hmm. We have those places. experiences. In fact, um, you know, Dirty December used to be one of our favorite times of the year because we had so many inbound experiences. Mm. Um and for instance, we have a crash a wedding package that a lot of people oh. always talk about on Twitter. Yeah, people who've always dreamt of crashing Nigerian weddings. We got you with the Ashwebi and everything. We work with the bride and groom. It's so fascinating. Nice. But um, now we're being more intentional about going to these people and saying, yeah. hey, 
we got you as opposed yeah. to you know people who've experienced our packages telling their friends, friends and their yeah. families yeah 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 so that's like and what are you doing what is there anything you personally like working on because I remember there was a tweet that uh, where you said like you were bored and you wanted some, <laughs> something new to work on oh god wanted new projects where are we there yes so I get bored from time to time and people are like how can you be bored there's so much going on and I'm like hmm yeah, boredom doesn't mean that there's absence of things yeah. to do. It just sometimes means that you've done one thing for a long time, which is why I like to compartmentalize my work into projects mm. so that I never really get fully bored of it. Um, but no, personal projects. Yes, I, I'm working with um, someone. We're actually deep in that project now. It's a personal side project, but um, he had a fish company, makes fish fillets the most delicious fish you'll ever taste. And, you know, due to the pandemic, the company was sort of almost um, on its knees. Uh, And it was a really cool business challenge for me to revive that company. And now we're supplying some of the biggest hotels. And um, yes, and, you know, off-takers in Lagos. So Mm -hmm. that's really, that's an exciting project that I worked on. And I'm really hoping, I'm excited about like future projects. I can't talk about all of them right now, but like, you know, hotel design and hospitality design and things like that. I'm really excited about. I I'm I'm so glad that even like the the traditional spaces within the industry mm-hmm. are opening up yes. to like people that are a bit more that want to experiment. More fresh. To, yeah, exactly. To more fresh voices because they're very important. You know, mm-hmm. I always think about like before I go to any hotel, I think about like. Am I like I need the, there must be some extra comfort that I'm not getting in my house mm-hmm. that I get there because see my house is comfortable yeah if I'm not if there's not nothing extra why should I come here mm-hmm. I, I'll just be thinking oh, why should, why did it's I a good stay point it's a good point same thing with travel you know um what's the value of doing this with this group rather than by myself or yeah. rather than putting together my family or whatever there's always that value add of you know the experience you will get with this group the ease, the hassle-free um, planning. You just literally pay money and mm. show up with your documents and have the time of your life, you know, the documentation, the professional photography, things like that. Yeah. Um. So I agree with you when it comes to hotels as well and um, hospitality yeah. services. There has to be that thing that is not, it's not available yeah. in your home, whatever that thing is. Yeah. And, I, and I think a lot of people are opening up. They have to. I mean, look at what COVID has shown all of us that anything can happen in a twinkle of an eye. You kind of have to stay ahead of things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes. <laughs> this mountain. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is probably going to come out after. After you've climbed? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, you do a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she's already said it. So, um, I mean, you're probably not going to climb. We're not sure if you're going to climb, but I plan on climbing Mount What do you mean you plan? (laughs) (laughs) Good. So let me tell, I'll tell the story for you. So she's climbing Mount Mount Kilimanjaro in August. Uh, We're going to Kilimanjaro and Zanzibar. It's going to be so amazing. But she's climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. She, I mean, she has a ticket, a visa. What? Okay, you don't have visa yet. Not yet. You have not <laughs> for it. But I mean, you get your visa on arrival. But no, you're climbing. So what do you mean by your plan? Yeah, I mean, we'll get there, you know. It's God's will. Oh, no, if, uh, if we uh, get no. there. And <laughs> All protocol duly observed by God's grace. Yes. Uh-huh. We will climb, right? Yes. Yeah. I think, like, I think in the last weeks, in the WhatsApp group, like, 
like, I, I, I try to check the group more often now because when people read, I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like, what am I missing now? I think it's For, dawning on people now that, yeah, hey, we're I, climbing this mountain. You know what? So I think two days ago, you were writing about the COVID test and I was like, hey, wait, are we going next week or something? <laughs> no, no, no. Because somebody on the trip, um, somebody on the trip was saying, "Oh yeah, oh wow." Now that you sent all the documents, I guess I can't back out now. I was like, "Yeah, oh. like, God." <laughs> Let me tell you, the thing about Kilimanjaro is this: there's nothing. I would do my best to prepare you, and you're you're going to be more prepared than I was when I climbed because this was our first time. I will do the best I can to prepare you. We'll do the absolute best. There's no amount of preparation that can really prepare you. You mm. have to experience it, right? I always give this example to people. I say, Kilimanjaro is cold. People are like, oh, I've lived in the North Pole. I'm like, yeah, but when you lived there, you slept inside. Yeah. Right? I went to school in Colorado. I lived in Colorado, which is really cold. It's known for its snow and, you know, ski resorts and things. I never slept outside in Colorado. Yeah. So you cannot conceptualize this cold until you are out in your tent in outside. I hate cold though. It's okay. You'll be fine. I'll, I'll be fine. Huh? You'll be fine. I mean, you just need to... It'll be cold. You will know yeah. that it's cold. You'll feel the cold. But you just need to do everything that we've asked you to do, which is the, all the layers, the fleece. Yeah. Don't, skimp, don't skimp on your warm clothing, all the inner layers, outer layers. Don't skimp. I, I do have a question because mm-hmm. you said we should bring snacks, mm-hmm. right? Does Gary count as snack? <laughs> <laughs> and this is my follow-up question. If you're going to help me bring Gary I from can't. Lagos. Hold up. This is for <laughs> Kilimanjaro or for Zanzibar? No, for Kilimanjaro now. That's why we need the snack. So I drink Gary at least twice a day. Ma? Y- yes. So I'm wondering if... Gary can count as my snack. So, yes, it can. You mean Gary... So... <laughs> I'm so confused. Yes, you can bring Gary. There are people who brought Gary last time. You can but bring Gary. But they brought Gary. it for the Zanzibar part. No, no, no. They no. actually brought it um, to... They were at, at camp. But the thing is, if you're bringing Gary, it's not going to be a snack. The snacks are for your climb. Yeah, you, like, you won't be able to drink... Is it months. that serious? It's very serious. But so. Gary doesn't give you any carbs. <sighs> well, you need so what, what's a good like what this Ted this thing out for you no no no, no like what's a good snack so first of all bring your Gary but you okay. will only be able to soak Gary at camp okay, when okay. he gets to camp at the end of the day, day okay. which is fine there'll be sugar at least no no I don't need sugar I just need water I you don't see, wow. imagine like I drink Gary at least twice a day and, and it's Ijebu Gary Abi like oh, I'm God. saying twice a day so that people will not think like I'm addicted right yeah so you are if, addicted, if, I'm, yeah. if I'm drinking Gary <laughs> twice a day and I'm drinking with sugar do you know what I would look like yeah this is true so this is true okay bring your Gary yes you can bring your Gary but I don't know that when you are climbing Gary is going to what is going to appeal to you I think you're going to need your sugar rush Okay. While climbing. So the, the granola bars the chin chin the cookies okay. the I'm gummies I'm of all those things I like food like Amala. <laughs> just a reminder that this mountain is in Tanzania. It's not anywhere I'm in Nigeria. Like, at some point, I'm just like, I think my my plan is to just like not overthink it. Yeah, don't overthink it. Also, East African food is very different from. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know East Africa. Okay. I know it's a, a bit at least. Like, I think I'm I'm mm. going to be fine. You'll be you, fine. There are certain things that you always find. Yeah, you know, so I'm not worried about the food at all. I'm mm. not worried about that. In terms of like climbing and in terms of, I I'm trying to see it more as a mental game, as a mental challenge. It is and. Okay, first of all, it's not a race. That's exactly. the first thing that should encourage you. It's not a race. 
spoiler alert, I was one of the slowest groups. I'm always, even when I run in Lagos, I'm very slow because that's how I keep my pace. I'll yeah, get there. Yeah. I won't stop. Yeah. I'll get there. But I climb at my pace. It's not a race. If you see somebody racing ahead of you, yeah. stay at your pace. Exactly. It's not a race. There's no first prize. Yeah. So that should calm you down that oh, you just need to keep one step in front of the other. You'll always have somebody with you um, and just keep going. If your legs give away, you sit down, you rest, you eat, you hydrate, right? A summit day is usually the most difficult because that's where altitude sickness and all of its little grandchildren, you know, come to play. And the air gets really thin. I suffer really bad altitude sickness. So I'm the, I, I think, I don't think there's anybody worse than me. So... I've had to come down from mountains because of altitude sickness. But the most important thing is just follow the guide. The guide would never let you go mm. if you are not at risk. Mm. If he sees you're at risk, you're coming down. If he sees that you just need to push your mind a bit more, he'll push yeah. you. So just trust the guide, trust the process. And let's not overthink this. We're yeah. going to summit. You people are going to summit. <laughs> Like that, my sister, the one that went to Chapawadi together, she said, she said, but why would you shall not climb the same mountain in your life in Jesus' name twice? And I was like, I cannot say amen to this prayer. (laughs) We'll see, we'll see. I'm so tempted to climb. I'm so tempted to climb because climbing for me is a very spiritual exercise. Mm. It's connecting with nature. It's you're disconnected for seven days. Yeah. It's you, your thoughts, your yeah. music. It's it's beautiful. It's an incredible experience. So we'll see. Maybe if you guys bribe me. <laughs> Let's see what we can do. We can bribe you with Gary and Plantain what? Chips. What? It's not going to work. What? It's not going to work. What was that? <laughs> well, we'll see, you know. But let's just stay focused. Remember, yeah. remember that this is one of the... Um, the easiest routes we're yeah, climbing yeah. on. Um, and we can do it. We yeah. can do it. We stress fitness and we stress the importance of yeah. preparing, but you also have to remember that most people who climb, who have climbed with our group were first-time climbers and they had never climbed Uluma Rock. Okay. Yeah. I climbed Uluma Rock last week. Oh. I climbed, I didn't, I climbed everything. Like you went, you didn't go with the steps. I climbed everything. Nice, nice. Everything. Nice. We did it. That's so, great. It's a great yeah. start. Even though... <laughs> At this point, I should be climbing higher mountains. <laughs> but no, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Um, yeah. And I don't know if this is too much information, right? But a lot of girls get worried about their periods. Oh, yeah. So, I I mean, you you sent the um, experiences of the people that traveled yeah. the last time. I've already checked. So, if everything goes well, then it's not coming at that Fantastic. time. Because so I had my period on that climb. On that climb. Wow. Wow. And that day was... Summit day? No, it wasn't summit okay. day. Okay. If it was summit day, I just slept and come down. It wasn't summit day. Um, It was day four, I think. It was difficult. It was my one of my more difficult days. It was tough. But I was fine. Mm, mm. So, yeah, you, having your prayers not the end, just yeah. do what you need to do for the pain and all that. Yeah. Um, But let's pray that yeah. you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as I said, like, I'm thinking of this as a mental challenge. I feel like if I can do this, uh, I can like you can push through a lot of things you know and I think that's also I mean it's also been motivating me to just up my fitness game which has been lacking since I've been yeah. in Nigeria now yeah but apart from that like just pushing through your trainings mm-hmm. and knowing that you're doing this for this thing yeah. and yeah. also for your body right like yeah like how much can you 
challenge yourself to yeah, get how far to, can you go yeah to and like you then you also see changes and you also see things that you're mm-hmm. able to do yeah. you know you so. see your body do things you didn't think mm. it could do it's incredible and then you know we're going to end it in Zanzibar so whatever exactly. the outcome of the climb is going to be we're going to make memories of a exactly. lifetime yeah, exactly. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I had one more question though. Um, I mean, we didn't talk about the. I mean, you mentioned the NSAS protests from last year. Um, we've talked about it on the podcast as well a little bit in the previous season. But I remember that you also said that your account was blocked because of the NSAS. Or you're not allowed to talk about this on here. It's not that I'm not allowed. I am allowed. I just truly have no interest in talking about it because it's one of the most difficult emotional. Mm. Um, experiences I've ever been but my own question is your account unblocked now? it is unblocked okay. there, there were a few lawyers and court cases involved but it has been unblocked okay Okay. Yeah, we don't have to go into details. Yeah, it's it's you know you know I, I felt like I was in a relationship with this man mm. who promised me everything and he was messing up messing up and I kept on giving him second chances yeah. and I I, I I I went to like I went to war for well, him yeah then he just took my heart and threw it down into the gutter and broke it and smashed it. That's how that's how I felt about Nigeria. It was horrible. Um, but yeah, that's not. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I feel I, I, I feel bad that we're ending the this. I know, no, no. But our hearts heal. Hearts heal. Yeah. I mean, I went to Chapawadi and I remember carrying that flag with tears in my eyes Aww. and feeling like this flag is heavy, but we'll carry it. <laughs> You carried it all the way up there, my no. goodness. Yeah, we carried it, but we didn't we didn't wave it until yeah. we were at the summit. Yeah. But, you know, it's very difficult when you know that, you know, they had us on watch lists mm. and, um, you know, we were, we had to physically separate ourselves to From, protect yeah, ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, we still had to carry this flag. But it's one of those things where I don't have a second option. So, I don't mm-hmm. have any other nationality. Yeah. We die here. Mm. Figuratively, please. Yeah, yeah. But we die yeah. here. Like, you know, this is our country. This is my country. It's a country that I love as 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 much as it doesn't always reciprocate that love for me. It's why I've worked so hard. It's why I've made this my life's work. We die here. Nigeria must work. It, and we say this with frustration in our hearts, but Nigeria has to work because if it doesn't work, what then? We, yeah. What are the other options? What are the other options? You know, COVID taught us that we don't, no matter how mobile we think we are, we are. There was a time when the borders were, blo- were yeah. locked and your money, your nothing could save you. So we die here. Nigeria must work. <laughs> Thank you so much You're for welcome. me. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been You're really welcome. fun. It's yeah. been fun chatting with you. Thank I you. can't wait to have lunch. I know. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see you all another time. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Valid Thoughts. You can find us on Instagram at Valid underscore creative, on Twitter at Valid Share, like, and send to your friends or even your parents so we can all learn a thing or two. Until next time, remember, our thoughts are valid.